Good Monday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Austin Price and Jesse Simonton. Glad to have you along with us as you start your work week. Tennessee and Indiana uh, to take uh, place on Thursday in the Tax Slayer Bowl down here in Jacksonville covering the Vols. And we're going to cover a little recruiting this week as well. Plenty to get to in this podcast. But the first question I have is the, the biggest surprise to me that I saw in the practice field on Sunday was the Brandon Kennedy um, storyline. Everybody I talked to, uh, and I think you guys would probably agree, everybody you talked to back in Knoxville pre-Christmas made it very clear Brandon Kennedy was not going to play in this game. I'm not saying Brandon Kennedy is going to play in this game, but I was surprised not only at how much he did, Jesse, but the fact that he did anything. We did not see him in Knoxville uh, post-knee surgery, and then there he was on Sunday going through legitimate drills. I mean, if if there's no possibility for you to play, you're you're just here to play Xbox or PlayStation and go to the beach and hang out and Top do all golf those, time. Yeah, do all those kinds of things. I mean, how surprised were I? Was really surprised to see him get some work out there. I was yeah. I mean, we, we walk out there and he's on the bike and you say, okay, that makes sense. You know, the rest of the guys that aren't going to play the Baylen Buchanan's, the Sean Browns, the guys that are battling these injuries, that makes sense. But then for him to immediately sprint into Indy, and they they were doing kind of. You know, rarely do we actually see stuff that that one would uh, dictate or surmise as like actual football. But the little screen drill we saw was actually football, and that was something that they were clearly trying to work on. Um, they were doing it in tempo, so it was not some sort of like, all right, Kennedy, you jog in just for this one play slowly here. He was going. He was taking multiple reps alongside Trey Smith, alongside Juan Morris. With Jarrett Garantano, you know, taking the snaps. Um, and, and he was being forced to move and get out in space. And so, you know, does that mean that he's going to play on Thursday? I think that's too early to tell. But it's I think it's certainly a new interesting storyline in Jacksonville, one that I did not expect, you know, coming in here yesterday, that that was going to be something we were talking about. I thought it was going to be Jerome Carvin at center with either Calvert or Lockler playing right guard. I was never told he was not for sure not playing. I was just told – Seemed unlikely. See, I was told and, he was out. I was told he's not going to play. And so I thought, okay, seems unlikely. They'll play this up to make you think he might play. And then when they get to Jacksonville, the rubber meets the road. And, right. You know, they announce he's not going to go. I mean, not total opposite for me, but, I mean, this is, you know, it's an interesting development from a standpoint of, whether he's 100% or not, it doesn't seem likely that he's 100%. But if he can give you anything, then obviously that means you're not likely having to fall to the potentially to the third-team center if you had an injury to a guy that, you know, played in favor of Kennedy. But at this point, it looks like potentially Brandon, you know, may get the uh, at least an, uh, an early look to see if he can go coming up on Thursday. And, you know, if he can, I think that just, you know, from an experience standpoint and from the continuity at the center spot with the center quarterback, it, it's it's a positive. Well, and, and throw in the fact, too, when you talk to Jared on Sunday and you talk to Trey Smith on Sunday, and what, what do you see out of Indiana? What's the one thing you heard? Multiple up front, a lot of different looks up front. Quote-unquote exotic. Yeah, so you need your center to help your quarterback there. And I think, you know, Brandon Kennedy and Jared combined have done a, a pretty good job of helping Tennessee stay out of some bad plays, Jesse. Yeah, I, there's that, and that's, that, 
that to me would be particularly important, obviously, if he plays. Another just kind of uh, big picture or, you know, macro deal is that when you lose Marcus Tatum and you lose Ryan Johnson, your O-line is already shorthanded enough that you're forced to move Kingston Harris over from defense as just a pure extra body. If you have your starting center, to, to AP's point, suddenly you're not down another body where if you get somebody gets hurt, you may be on your third-team center or your third-team right guard. So if he can play and Tennessee can run out what you know they believe to be their best five, uh, I, I, that, that, that would be a boon to Tennessee's chances. And we'll see. He will, uh, we'll see how much he does. We don't know how much he did after we left practice on Sunday. We'll see and, and get, you know, try to find out as much as we can how much he did on Sunday and then what he's going to do on Monday. And then Tennessee will obviously throttle it down um, in terms of the, the work that they do to get ready for the, the game on Sunday. Because I guess, Austin, what, this is a Tuesday technically for Tennessee? Yes. Or it was a Wednesday of game week? Today, Monday will be a Wednesday of game week. Yep. Sunday was a Tuesday of game week uh, at, at that point. Um, Jerry Garantano does not have the, the brace on his hand. Big deal, no big deal. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, he played with the big brace. It's only going to be, be more natural that he's back to normal. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he said he could handle it's the ball better. It's probably encouraging for just his own mental you know, makeup. Right. If he feels like his hand is, is, is better. I mean, he admitted, he, he, he admitted Sunday that he had some initial nerves in Knoxville coming out of Christmas, you know, not – not practicing uh, with that added protection, but he was out. He's, it sounds like Sunday was his third practice uh, going through without it. I, I think we all expect his hand to be heavily taped, you know, come come Thursday. So not a big deal to me. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a significant I- issue as well. Uh, although, I, you know, he should be able to handle the ball better, but he has not had any issues in the run game really handling the ball at all. Tennessee is without Jawan Jennings for the first half. Jennings continues to be the life of the party on the practice field in a good way um, in, in terms of his leadership. How does Jim Chaney manage the first half of this game without Juwan Jennings? I think Tennessee will run the ball and they'll try to work Donwood Anderson in. You know, I mean, I, they'll go by committee to replace Juwan, which means probably more targets for both Josh Palmer and Marquis Callaway. But I think it's going to be added targets for uh, – for, uh, Dom, and, and then, of course, I think, you know, after what Eric Gray did in the bowl game, I think he'll get a real look to try to continue that momentum. I mean, what he did against Vanderbilt. I mean, I, I think I think this is going to be – I mean, this is kind of an early teaser for my ten things. But I think there's going to be points in this game. And so I think Tennessee needs to kind of continue just to, to do what they've been trying to do towards the end of the season. Again, this was an offense that, despite showing flashes, still ranked the hundreds in the country – um, but I think, I think this is going to be a game that both teams can store. Indiana is extremely middling on defense. They rank between 8th and 10 in about every single category defensively in the Big Ten. But where they rank last is in interceptions. They've picked off just five passes this season. Um, so I would expect Tennessee to be aggressive. If you can handle some of those pressures up front, um, whether it's throwing to DWA or getting a guy like Ramel Keaton, who we've seen kind of get more reps in the slot, both during the bowl practices that were happening in Knoxville and then Sunday 
uh, here in Jacks. I mean, I, I think because I think also I I mean again teaser. I think Indiana's going to be able to score on Tennessee. I mean, I like Indiana's receiving core, uh, and Tennessee's secondary is going to be challenged. Yeah, this is an Indiana team that's that's averaging nearly thirty three points a game. Second get, in the Big Ten in yards. They, they've given up 24.5 points a game, but I think that's a little bit misleading. They, they shut out Eastern Illinois 52 to nothing. They beat Connecticut 38-3. to the, the one game where their defense was good in the Big Ten play was against Northwestern. They beat Northwestern like 39-3. to Now, we know Northwestern had all kinds of issues. It's hot garbage this year. But, but, you, but you look at other Sean games. Sean came off Hunter pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. I mean, you, you look at the rest of the games, and, and there was a lot of 30- and 40-point totals that they gave up, but they also – they were not shellacked. Other than Ohio State, nobody really absolutely just honed them in. Michigan, I guess, did. You know, Michigan and Ohio State are the two teams that held them down. They scored a bunch of points against everybody else that they played in the Big Ten this year. To your point, you think they'll be able to score a little bit. Uh, this is a team that has, has thrown the ball with some effectiveness – um, all season long, with a you know they got a thousand yard receiver and three five hundred yard receivers. Yeah, but they got six guys that have over twenty some odd catches. Um, I mean that's that, that that's a pretty you know and, and Pruitt mentioned on Sunday, you know that you know, they have a really good tight end. We know that I think I think Danny Batuli as his knee got healthier was a little bit better. Henry Toa Toa was kind of up and down, but in terms of guarding the middle of the field, that's going to be a challenge. Wap. Uh, is one of the better receivers in the in the in the Big Ten. I mean, you know, he's a little jitterbug playmaker. Um, and then Nick and and Nick Westbrook is who Brandon Johnson's you know mimicking out there on the practice field, and he's another veteran receiver. I think he's like six two, and he had five touchdowns this season. Yeah, it's you know Austin. We know a little bit of this, and and, and Jesse does through the assembly of this Indiana team. Uh, was done in, in large part, you know, a lot of evaluations were done by Matt Wilson, um, who was at Tennessee at one point, um, working in the recruiting office as, a, as kind of the top assistant, I guess, under, under Bob Welton. And then he goes uh, to Indiana. He's now at Mississippi State. This Indiana team has a Southern feel to it and a, and a more athletic feel to it. it. It's pretty clear they tried to come south to get some athletic guys and not be a tradition as much of a traditional kind of what people think of with a Big Ten team. Well, why not? Because, I mean, if you're if you're Indiana or you're Minnesota or you're one of these teams that's not a traditional power in the Big Ten from a football perspective, why not be different? You know? Um, and you're right. I mean, you're not going to Ohio and get the best linemen. Yeah. You're not yeah, going, going to Michigan, Michigan and get the best linemen. Wisconsin. You know, that type of you thing. Know, so, I mean, agreed. I mean, they, they tried to, you know, have a little more of a, a Southern feel to it. I think Indiana, the best thing they got going forward is – it's a group of kids that's been bought in under Tom Allen. They believe they've competed unbelievably well all year and been, you know, they either won the game or they've been right there and all, but you know, really, I mean, they were in the Michigan game there for a little bit before Michigan kind of pulled away. So, I mean, uh, Ohio State's really the only team that just destroyed them from the get go. And you know, Ohio State was a playoff team. Well, they so, destroyed pretty yeah. much everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I, I'll say this though. I don't want to give them too much credit. Big 10's not very good. I mean, it's, it's it, it's a, it's a decent conference uh, that still lacks speed. You know, I think if Tennessee comes and they play their A game, I don't think Indiana can win if they play their A game too. That's my opinion. But if Tennessee comes out and they start slow, Indiana can very much beat Tennessee. And uh, you're right, offensively they put up a bunch of points, and uh, there's just a continuity there. And now the offensive coordinators, 
taking that Fresno State job, but he's around for this game, going to call the plays. So to me, that's a that's a big deal. Like if he had went on to Fresno State, then I think that it would have been a huge hiccup in the giddy up for uh, for Indiana. But since he's around, I think he wants to put on one last good show. Well, and, and again, they've done it with quarter, you know, multiple quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, man, Tennessee Penix, fans, I mean, you nope, know, but he got hurt with all Penix, but he had, he was having a good season for them. Penay Pasta. Yeah, this was, this was one last time. <laughs> you know, but he, I mean, he, he he did a nice job up there. But but Pat, you know, Peyton Ramsey, who's filled in for him, has done a nice job. I mean, their system allows you to really to to, to thrive a little bit at the quarterback position because you go throw it a good bit more. They'll stretch the field. They do a lot of different things. You know, Stevie Scott's not a bad running back. Eight hundred and forty-five yards this year. Ten touchdowns, averaging four point seven yards a carry. Do some different things with him. And the other the other guy is uh, he, he their number two back is 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 probably one of the few that's probably Allen's biggest recruiting win I think in the last couple of years that was the kid that was committed Samson James was a commit kid that was committed to Ohio State for a long time um, and ends up going to Indiana you know he's an Indiana kid uh, so that was he he he's the number two back he does not had like a huge season but he does have some talent one of the interesting things about bowl games is you look at teams. You know, and, and we, and, and this is one of the things I, th- I saw in the playoff games that, that I thought was pretty impressive. I thought those teams tackled pretty well. You know, you typically you hear about a lot of missed tackles, you know, turnovers, teams being sloppy, and and, and yes, Clemson's offense was sloppy in that bowl game, but they, but you know, there was there wasn't a ton of missed tackles in that game for what you typically see. Do you like the way that Jeremy Pruitt has approached this bowl game, his first as a head coach? Yeah, but I will say this. I think it's been – because the other – I think to couple with the tackle, the missed tackles and the sloppiness and all that, to me that's directly tied in with motivation. I think it kind of goes hand in hand. And that's why you see the teams, whether it's they didn't make the playoffs and so they don't really care about being there, um, or you have a bunch of guys going to the NFL, or maybe you're a team like Texas, you know, that's just ready for the year to be over. You know, that, that – Tennessee has none of has check checks none of those boxes. Trey Smith and Daryl Taylor are playing. Daniel Tuley is playing. This team seems highly motivated to come out and kind of put a capstone on this five game win, game winning streak, and they're kind of viewing it. Players talked about it Sunday. They talked about it before uh, we left Knoxville. I'll have a piece on it, kind of about using this game as both. Um, an end point to 2019, but kind of setting the tone on 2020 and a, and a launching pad for that. And so I do. Th- I think Pruitt's kind of it's been beneficial to him. You think uh, it's been easier? It's been easier because he has a, he's done well to get these guys bought in, and now they're bought in. And so he ha- there hasn't had to be any sort of like extra added motivation because they haven't made a bowl game in a couple years, and they've just been tasting nothing for the last couple of Decembers. Well, and, and Jarrett, you know, talked about that very point uh, on Sunday with the fact that, you know, they want to use this as a springboard going forward. But at the end of the day, you've got a core group of seniors here that you know they want this to be the the, the finale for those guys to have a big finale, and uh, you know it's a group that you know you've called them the butch jones misfits or whatever you call them orphans orphans. um you know but when you go back and you look at this 2019 season they'll be what you think about they'll be thinking you'll you'll think about nigel warrior and the progression he's made Jawan jennings has continued reclamation daryl taylor and and daniel batuli um marquez calloway oh i mean i joked in our in our season awards that hubs and i did that came out on christmas that warrior is going to end up being maybe like the lost 
not the lost, but almost the forgotten man of this season. In, in kind of the John Travolta Pulp Fiction thing where he's looking around like, anybody remember? Because in, in any other year, he would have won like the Comeback Player of the Year or the Most Improved Player. But when you have every the stories with, with Jarrett. And he was, and he was and, first team All-SEC. Yeah, but you had the stories with what happened with Jarrett, the fact that Trey Smith literally risked his life to play and, and has you know had such a good season. I mean, I agree. I think the seniors want to go out. Now it's going to be up to them to show up. It's, it, it's easy to say these things and sure all that, is. but you still got to uh, show up. And, you know, it is interesting that Tennessee opened as a slight underdog. Now they're a slight favorite. You know, the line has kind of moved in, in their direction to your point that you think if both teams play their A game, Tennessee maybe has the slight advantage. I, I don't think this will happen. Okay, I want to preface this, but I do want – I mean, if Tennessee came out and they played the A game and Indiana did not, well, Juwan Jennings could enter the game at halftime and it you know be out of hand, you know. I, I, again, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's a potential. Um, I, I'll say this, though. I do think, in my opinion, this game and the season, of course the season will be, but this game I think will be more about finishing it up for this group of guys than it will be for the springboard to 2020. I agree. I agree with that, too. And I'm a big I, – I don't believe in the – that that's what the that's the players' narrative or, or proof. Oh no, I know. But I agree, I agree that, that I I don't I think what happened regardless of what happens Thursday will not have the, any. the the previous fourteen fifteen practices those were springboard for twenty twenty spring practice is a springboard for twenty twenty this game though about these about this core group of guys that you know had a heck of a year. Well, nobody's going to come out of this game. If, if if Tennessee, even if Tennessee were to win big, and I and I don't think they, I don't think they're going to run away from from Indiana because Tennessee offensively has not been consistent enough for four quarters in any game this this season to really be able to do. Jeremy's that. been waiting on that complete game. Yeah, uh, and he's going to keep waiting because I don't think they're going to get it there. I just think there's there's too much you know roller coaster out of them. But but my point being, even if Tennessee blew Indiana out, nobody's going to go wow. That Tennessee team, that Tennessee team is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year, because so many of the, so much of this team is about their success down the stretch has been about veteran play. Whereas the last time Tennessee was here, and they beat Iowa, it was all about the young guys. It was all about freshmen and sophomores, and, and so it was the okay. Now Tennessee's coming, the and they're going to be ranked, and they're going to be picked to win the East, and they're going to be this, that, or the other. That's not to say this team's going to be bad next year. They're just going to miss some big parts that they're going to have to potentially replace, particularly if a guy like Trey Smith leaves. And again, they've not been a, a juggernaut of a team. They've been good, and they've played hard, and they've bought in, and they've gotten better, and they've figured out a way to win games with a quarterback with a broken hand and a broken spirit and you know all of these things that they put together. I don't want to discredit any of that. But to your point, Austin, even if they win big, nobody's going to suddenly say, Tennessee's on the map, Tennessee's arrived, Tennessee's back. They're going to say, it's a nice step in the building process for Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, you did the things that you've not been able to do. You beat Missouri, you beat Vanderbilt, you beat South Carolina, you continued your domination over Kentucky. You know, those type of things. Now that now it's the next step of finding a way to pick off one of the big three on your schedule. Or winning at Oklahoma next year, well, or and, one of those type of things, right? And if Tennessee and if ends and candy and nuts and butts, and I hope everybody had a merry Christmas. But if you had beaten BYU and Georgia State, and you were playing as a nine and three team, well, you in, wouldn't be in Jackson. Well, that's what I'm saying. In a in a bigger bowl game against 
what is perceived to be a much better opponent and you win that game, then the narrative to me is different. Yeah, it'd be like the narrative that Texas got last year. Yeah, a little bit. Which was a false narrative. It was. But, you know, Texas claims, hey, we're back after you beat Georgia. You know, and and that's, you know. So, I'm with you guys. I don't think these bowl games mean, boy, that's the team to watch next year. Because there's every team is different. So much stuff changes uh, between this. All right, as we wrap up the, the game preview a little bit, I know you got 10 things I think I think coming a little bit later. Give me, both of you guys, give me two keys for, for, for Tennessee to win this football game. What do they got to do? Give me two things. Well, I mean, I think it's redundant to say they have to get off to a good start. But, I mean, I, I, I do. I think they, can't, they cannot let Indiana find their way into a, into a, a real dogfight in the second half. I think Tennessee's got to establish themselves early. I think they need to be able to establish the running game. You showed you could do that against Vanderbilt. I don't think you have to <laughs> – Eric Craig ain't going to run for 250 again. But you've got to – you, 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 what you want to see is, is Eric Gray continue to have success. And I don't mean 75 yard runs, but right. have, make plays in the running game that you, know, you would traditionally make. And then um, defensively, you know, I, I think the secondary has got to be really good. I think Alante Taylor is going to be challenged, and he's got to be up for the challenge. Good one. I, li- I like the Alante Taylor because I do think he's going to be challenged. That I think, I, yeah, I mean, I think Schenberger is going to be challenged too because mm-hmm. if as much as Watt lines up in the slot, I mean, I think that he's going to be challenged. The other thing is, can Tennessee pressure the quarterback? That's been up and down. You know, looking at the stats, Indiana's only given up 20 sacks this season. That's for a team that throws almost 40 times a game. I mean, that's not that's that's not a ton there. Uh, Daryl Taylor said it Sunday. You know, part of the reason he's not sitting out like a lot of guys across the country is that he wants to put more film on tape. The time's now. I mean, this is, this is his last chance, you know, before, you know, aside from the senior bowl. So can Tennessee get pressure? Um, and, and can some other guys maybe step up and make plays outside of, I would say, Mark West Callaway in the first half to kind of piggyback on can they get off to a good start? You know what you're going to get out of Callaway. Pretty sure you know what you're going to get out of Josh Palmer. But the fact that, you know, Far and away, Jennings has been the go-to guy for this offense. Whether it's another good performance from Eric Gray, does Ty Chandler have a you know brief explosion? They need they need some playmaking uh, ability early from somebody else. You know while, while they wait for JJ to get out there. Give me a, 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 a not a name. So no Daryl Taylor, Danny Batuli, those type of guys. Give me an, an off the beaten path name that has a good day. I don't mean 100 yards and a touchdown or two picks or anything. Just but has a solid day. And makes his presence known. Oh, I, I think I think um, I think Don Wood Anderson, um, and, and I know that's. I mean, everybody knows that name, but I think he'll be more of a focal point. I think you've seen him the last three weeks, four weeks of the regular season, understand um, that the offense better. Jim Cheney's been able to get him more involved, so that's my guy on offense. Uh, defensively, um, I. I, I you know, I, I probably would say Schamberger. I mean, I think a lot of people forget, you know, kind of he's back there. But I, I, I think that it's, you know, I, I think it's probably Schamberger because I don't think there's a defensive lineman who's suddenly going to just emerge off the page. I don't see DeAndre Johnson suddenly making plays. No, or no. Um, I, I just don't, you know what I'm saying, I, I don't see one of those things happening. So that would be where I would go. I, I'm going to give you another key, and I'll let Jesse answer your question. I'm going to give you another key that I think is important in this game. I think – third down, particularly in the first half, is going to be really important in this game. Because the security blanket for Jared has been Jawan on third down. How does this offense manage third downs without him? 
Um, can they stay in third and short, third and manageable, where they can use the run game and be multiple? Because, Jesse, a lot of times if it's been third and six, it's the slant to Jawan Jennings. It's a play combination, wheel route, whatever, to get Jennings open. How do they manage third downs without Jawan Jennings in the first half? That's a, that's a good one. My, under, my underlining guy, if he, well, I'm going to say Tim Jordan. And that's it's kind of a it's kind of a twofer, uh, you know. Did did Eric Gray just find lightning, you know, in, in, in a bottle and had it, had a fantastic performance? But also, uh, how healthy is Ty Chandler? Did the month off help his ankle? You know, he did not. Ty Chandler didn't get a carry against Vanderbilt. Um, you know, how, where's his ankle at? After basically a month off and getting to you know rehabilitate, Austin Pope talked about how how good that was for his hamstring, JG's wrist. Obviously, some other guys, O linemen like Wanye and and Darnell are are better. Um, if Ty is still limited, if he's dinged up, you, you're not just gonna. Tim Jordan's going to get opportunities. Yes, yeah, you're not going to give so, it to Eric Gray twenty eight no, times. He's going to get opportunities. So can he take advantage? We'll see. But I, that, that's something that you know, as we sit here Monday, a couple days out from the game, he, he would be maybe an underlining pick for me. I'm going to go Darrell Middleton on defense, and then I'm going to go with a guy that I really have taken a liking to, even though I mean he's just he just played sparingly as a freshman, Ramel Keaton. In the first half, yeah. In the first half, maybe some clear opportunities for him. I mean, they're 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 what well, either, either he or Tillman. I think I know, I'm putting my money on Keaton. I don't Tillman. disagree, but I'm just saying he, he, one of those two has a catch or two in the first half. They're not going to catch three or four or five balls, but they might catch one or two passes that could end up being a 17, 18 yard gain. Yeah, or it could be a drive saver. Could yeah, could, move could be kicks. a third down yeah, third right. down conversion as I, you just talked. I got about. you. I got it, you. It'll also tell us. I think it'll tell us pretty early how much they act, they trust those guys too. If we don't, if they're running different packages or different stuff that that those guys are not out there that often, I think that kind of tells you where uh, they are with them right where, now. Where they are with them right now. All right, let's flip into recruiting right quick. And I know that everybody says, "Wait a minute, it's the dead period. And there's nothing going on." What's Jay Hardy doing? What do you have for lunch today? Anybody know anything oh, on Jay Hardy? That'd be, the, that'd be the question everybody has. D Beck, French onion soup. D Beckwith. Um, Florida people think they're in great shape with D Beckwith. So I mean, that, I, that I, narrative. I, I, understand, I understand that narrative. Well, he hasn't taken visits. I think I, you said this for several weeks on the podcast. That one in January oh, is going to be get, wild and wooly. Oh, yeah. It's going to go 17 different directions. Um, you know, Florida likes where they're at with him. Ole Miss feels like they got a pretty good shot. Kentucky feels like they got a shot at him. Tennessee obviously feels like they're in a good spot. I'll say this for all the talk on the GQ about, you know, Will Friend on the recruiting trail, Will Friend has been pivotal in this recruitment as lead recruiter. He has been pivotal in the Jimmy Holiday recruitment. He was the lead guy on Jimmy Holiday from the get-go and really pinpointed him months and months and months ago to the point that I'm like, are you talking about Jimmy Callaway? And he's like, no, Jimmy Holiday. He's in, in Mississippi. And I'm like, oh. And so then, you know, right. I mean, but this was like six months ago. So, um, you know, I, I think Will's done a really nice job in recruiting, and, and he'll have to continue to do that, you know, in the month of January because it will be – a thrill a minute with D back with. Yeah, no question about that. Those are the top two priorities. Then the question becomes, where do they go after that? You got a five star offensive lineman who's mentioning Tennessee. What other names are going to pop up? Well, and I'll just add one more hearty note. You know, this was in the war room, but just I, I don't think it should be lost uh, because AP had it, and I think it is key that, that people don't, uh, that it's just kind of known for Tennessee. I think Tennessee having kind of that final bullet in the chamber, the fact that Gus has already gone in home. And the fact that Hardy could have signed and, and chose not to 
and has given the Vols a green light to say, come recruit me. And, again, we're not saying this is some, you know, um, it is by it's, not no a, means. it's not a formality yeah. that he's going to flip, but he has at least given Tennessee the opportunity to court him. Uh, the fact that Jeremy can then go in home and perhaps get the last FaceTime visit before Jay Hardy makes a decision in early February – I think that's something to remember. And, and let me say this, too. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but give, give some credit to Derek Ansley, yeah. Tracy Rocker, Kevin but Scherer. Kevin Scherer in particular. That's a pretty risky gamble that, that Jeremy Pruitt took and, and trusted his staff of, hey, get me to January. Get me to January with a fighting chance where he's unsigned. I'm going to hold my visit until then. Not a lot of head coaches would do that, Austin. A lot of those guys would go in and say, I've got to go in and make sure he doesn't sign. Pretty big gamble that paid off. Credit to Kevin Shearer for for making for helping make that happen. Him not signing. Yeah, Kevin, Derek, Tracy, all three of those guys have been a kind of a triumvirate. Those kind of two weeks that were open uh, right before the early signing period. I mean, but those were the that was a three headed monster that all went down there and saw him each time. Um, you saw the family. They again committed to Auburn. It's by no means going to be easy to pull a kid away from Rodney Gardner, but. I think it was a huge fail on Rodney's part when he didn't sign. And to me, very telling of, you know, and I know Jay has said all the right things. You know, he, he tweets all the War Eagle stuff. But again, if he wanted to sign, he could have signed. And I know he told a few people, well, I'm at this basketball tournament. He was well aware he could, he could, sure. could fax from anywhere, could email from anywhere. I mean, he chose not to sign. And uh, I think a lot of that's because the people around him would like to see him in Tennessee, and I think Jay's starting to feel that way. And then when you couple in what you guys just talked about with Pruitt's in-home, that triumvirate that's going to be done there every week in the month of January, and all of the kids in this class in state really laying on him. Big O, Tyler Barron, Keyshawn Cooper, all those guys are going to just lean and lean and lean. And, and we'll see if uh, the big fella from Chattanooga – Topples over to the orange. Well, we'll see if he drives up seventy five for an unofficial visit. Oh, I do think I, I, I do. I do think Tennessee. They don't play Kentucky at home, but I do think you can expect Jay Hardy to make it to some type of Tennessee basketball game in the month of January. All right, the, that's that's going on in this class. Well, I was going to say the last. Go thing. Ahead. So, yeah. well, you know, everyone wants to know about Broderick Jones. Yeah, the sorry. from Georgia. I mean, you know, he indicated down at the Under Armour uh, game to Chad Simmons. Uh, you know that he he is right now fifty fifty between Auburn and Georgia, but that he's also going to take a visit to Tennessee. So just kind of you know read the tea leaves there right now. Tennessee getting a five star on campus is not anything to scoff at. The fact they're going to get him here on January eighteenth gives Will Friend and Jim Cheney an opportunity. Jim Cheney's known Broderick Jones for many years, uh, you know, but Jones kind of made it clear that part of the, his you know his strongest tie to Georgia was Sam Pittman. Sam is now gone. Um, you know, he's very close with the Auburn O-line coach, so that seems important. Uh, so Tennessee's going to have a shot. It, right now, you know, I think AP and I both agree that if he does flip, the Tigers are, are, are considered, you know, the odds-on favorite. But, again, you, you get a five-star on campus and you see what happens. Well, yeah. you're certainly going to make those other team, two teams at least work. Yeah. Right? Uh, well, yeah. You're, you're going to make them, you know, spend a lot of time. Um, and, you know, anytime you can pull somebody's attention away from the 2021s that you want to go see – it's a good thing. Sometimes you know other schools at Bay Tennessee have to work, right. um, but uh, you know I agree. I think that ultimately he's going to give them a real shot. But at the same time, you know he has had the flirtation with Auburn for a long, 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 long time, 
and uh, they would make the most sense. But you can't scoff at the visit to Tennessee. No. Anything can happen on an official visit that changes how you view things. You can see a depth chart. You can see, you know, something when it pertaining to a major. You can see a lot of things on an OV that change your mind. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's something definitely the Bears watching. All right, let's talk about the 2021s. You guys had the 21 and 21 piece, and then the um, future 50 combine that's a part of the Under Armour All-American game in Orlando takes place on Tuesday of this week. Is that right? Yes, Tuesday. Is that tomorrow? The combine takes right? place Friday. Uh, but the media no, day for Thursday. those guys is... The combine takes place Thursday when Tennessee plays. The media event takes place tomorrow. All right, that takes place um, t- tomorrow, Tuesday on that. So um, we'll be down there. We'll be down there. We'll have plenty of we'll have plenty of interviews and thoughts. Who are Give me five or six guys down there that Tennessee you think really likes that, that Tennessee's trying to be in on, or they are in on pretty heavily? Two names that pop out to me. Okay. Peyton Page, he's been here a bunch. Likes Tennessee, state of North Carolina. Okay, what does he do? Who is he? 300-pound defensive yeah. lineman. Yeah, big defensive lineman. From North uh, Carolina. From North Carolina. Um, the Tennessee other one, should recruit that state harder. Go the ahead. other one would be a position of need who just took an unofficial to Tennessee back in November. He goes to Gerald Taylor's high school up in uh, Hopewell, Virginia. Travion Henderson who is a real low-key, no-drama, to this point, running back. Top 100 player. Yeah. And so Tennessee covets him, very okay. much so. So if you're at looking for a running back in this 2021 class, I, I know some people have asked about some of the other guys, but Travion Henderson's a guy that Tennessee likes a lot. And uh, I, I can there's a lot of traction there with him because the distance is not too far. And, again, he comes from a spot that Tennessee just had Daryl Taylor. Yeah, who's going to play in the Senior Bowl, who's certainly got, you know, has done well with, with this staff and, sure. and, and has improved. All right, give me a couple of guys. I, Terrence Lewis, you know, AP interviewed him over the summer. He was up here for a camp. That's a Niedermeyer, Chris Rumpf deal. He's a top 20 player, according to rivals in this next class, outside linebacker. Um, might actually end up being maybe a safety because he's a little bit undersized. Uh, but he's a guy Tennessee likes a lot. Um, and then I'm kind of curious to hear what a guy like Drake May has to say. I mean, that quarterback room at Alabama um, continues to grow. And, and the fact that, you know, every quarterback thinks they're going to be the guy, but they just signed the number one player in Bryce Young. He's enrolling early. He's expected to take over for Tua next season. You know, so where does that leave little Tua? You know, where does that leave um, uh, Paul Bryant's uh, – you know, Bear Bryant's grandson, you know, so so does Drake, does he sign up to play behind that? Does he think he can beat those guys out? Maybe, but there seems to be some rumblings that perhaps he's a little bit open. I think if he does open it up, Tennessee and North Carolina seem to make the most sense. And that's a guy that camped at Tennessee, threw for Jim Chaney this summer, got a lot of individual attention and, and, from and Jim Chaney really, And the family's really tight with Chris Winkie. Yep, and they are. That's exactly right. It's, he is close because they uh, – they have some history and know each other as well. So plenty of other names to come about. Those are some of the highlighted names. We'll have much more from the Future 50 uh, media opportunity that takes place on Tuesday. And then we'll have full coverage of Tennessee's preparation, continued preparations for Indiana uh, with practice coverage coming up on um, 
the, the, later this afternoon, then there's a joint press conference with the coaches that takes place the day before the game and then full coverage from the game as well. Always but love those joint, joint press conference photo ops. And where everybody loves everybody, right? Let's hold the trophy and shake hands and sing kumbaya, right? Everybody um, loves everybody. Everybody loves everybody. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Jesse Simonton, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Monday, everybody.